Welcome to Life-Changing Moments, a podcast dedicated to discussing biblical truths and practical strategies that will help grow our relationship with God. I'm your host, Jamika Ellison, and it is my pleasure to share with you this week's insightful episode. Stay tuned and let's grow together. Welcome to Life-Changing Moments. I'm your host, Jamika Ellison, and it is my pleasure to introduce our special guest for this podcast, Dr. Anthony Edwards. I am so excited to have her as our as my guest for this episode. Um, Dr. Edwards is an evangelist, a motivational speaker, workshop facilitator, educator, and author. And so we are pleased that she's going to share her wisdom. We will be looking at John chapter 5. And I'm going to read those verses uh, and the the title of this devotional and this discussion is don't miss the shift. And so I want to read the first nine verses of John chapter five. After this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue, Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lie, and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. Verse 9, And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. And so, again, we're talking about um, not missing the shift. And in this passage of scripture, we have someone who was in a situation where he was near a shift happening and he continued to miss it. So, Anthony, we're going to uh, just kind of start right there so you can jump in um, and, and maybe just share your thoughts just about the passage itself as we begin to elaborate. Wonderful. Um, First of all, thank you, um, Evangelist Ellison, for inviting me to share. Um, This passage of scripture is one that I guess, you know, we often hear in church people saying a familiar passage of scripture, which is only familiar for people who are constantly in the word or in church. But as you've already read the scripture, I think um, there are a ton of things that um, in me reading it and looking at um, what was outlined in your devotional, uh, that jumped out to me. And the big thing, though, I, I just want to say, um, and I think the thing that I thought most on and pondered most about this man um, at the Pool of Bethesda was in making a, a comparison between his life and my own, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I was looking at that and thinking about the shift, and I said, wow, if he would have just recognized, right, um, what he was missing. And I started mm-hmm. thinking, Considering myself, and I said, there are some shifts I know that I have missed in my life. 
there's some times where I know that I should have been in a certain place and I just, I missed it. And so the delays that occurred, um, you know, they, they kind of put me off, off schedule for certain things. But with him, I began thinking about it. I couldn't imagine missing a shift like for 38 years straight. Like that's just a lot. And so um, I realized that he never really pressed himself enough to want to give out, get out of that familiar place. And so um, I often say to people that what I am most confused and confounded by when I'm um, doing things or what have you is when I look back at certain people and I say, I have known them for so many years and I don't see them doing anything different than I knew them doing 20, 25 years ago. And that is like baffling. Um, And I think that's the position that I look at when I see him and I realize that he's, he was okay with being in a familiar place. And I know we'll talk a little bit about it more, but different experience um, he would have had in life right? A different um, understanding and a different vantage point even to approach everything else in his life that would to come if he would have shifted 37 years before that. Right. His whole perspective and new things would change. And absolutely. That's that's one of the, the challenges a lot of people have. It is this idea of complacency and, and the, the danger is when we get comfortable in our complacency, when we are okay with things as they are um we fail to progress we, we fail to make progress and and that is going to keep us from from whatever you know it is that that god has for us and i was thinking um when, when you were talking about how long you know these 38 years and you know how often he would have come back to this same pool <clears throat> a couple things well, a lot of things. This passage of scripture, of course, is just so rich. It has a, a lot in it. Um, but one of the things I thought about in just reading it is that if every time he was in the vicinity, he got close enough to the pool to know that the water was being troubled. That that for me is is difficult to grasp. Um, it, it'd be one thing if he was in another city and heard, "Oh, they troubled the water. You missed it," but he was he was there. He right. said to Jesus, there's nobody to, to put me in when the water's, the water's troubled. He's in the, he's close enough to the shift that you would think, right? You would think that by any means necessary, he's mm-hmm. making it to that water. Um, and, and sometimes in, in just in our walk, and I've like, you know, like you mentioned, I've myself, I've missed the shift. I, I, I realized that even, you know, with my devotional book, one one when I was writing and, and getting devotionals ready, I, I'm a note taker and have been for years. And I went back to um, some journal writing that I had done years ago, years ago. And I it blew my mind, Anthony, as I was looking through this little purple journal, the number of my devotionals that I had already written and prepared for the book that were in, in that little purple journal. Wow. From, from multiple years ago. It literally, I, I sat and I started page after page. I was like, this one's in there. And you know, I, what I began to hear God saying is like, this was something you were meant to do years ago. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't get you to what's next until this is out. Like, I got to get this out of you because I had it in you to do years wow. ago. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I 
think about that and it can almost be depressing, you know, when you think about, man, all of the time I've wasted. Um, and, and, and that's why I have such a push now. I, I'm not missing another shift. I have made up in my mind. I, I, I don't want to miss another one. Um, and God is so patient with us um, that, that he didn't take it away from me. You know what I mean? He didn't, he didn't say, Oh, you missed it. You don't get, you don't get a chance to write that book. It was still there and having the opportunity, you know, it's kind of like Jesus coming to this man. Okay. Will you be made whole? You know, in other words, it's like, you really had enough time to be whole. Right. <laughs> now, right. now I got to shift you. And I, I don't want to jump ahead. I don't want to jump ahead. I don't want to jump ahead. Um, <laughs> because I, I the, no, I'll wait. No, I ain't gonna wait. I ain't gonna wait. Um, I don't because what happens, and I gotta find find the verse after the man was healed. I say Jesus told him, take up that bed and walk. And I stopped at verse nine. Um, I, I'll read a little more, and then you'll see why I I, I believe that he, this time he had to be healed in this moment. Um, verse ten says, the Jews therefore said unto him who was, that was cured. It is the Sabbath day. Is it not lawful for thee to carry thy bed? He answered them, he that made me whole, the same said unto me, take up thy bed and walk. Then asked they him, what man is that which said unto thee, take up thy bed and walk? And verse 13, he and he that was healed was not who it was. For Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. And so I'm um, skip down to verse 15. The man de departed and told the Jews, he found out who it was. He told the Jews that it was Jesus that had made him whole. And verse 16, and therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things uh, on the Sabbath day. And so all of this was leading, of course, up to the crucifixion of, of Christ. And it's the timing, you know, um, with this man, this healing was necessary in that moment. Um, because his witness was one of the events that would contribute to this, this thing that was building to persecute Jesus because of some of the things he would do on the Sabbath, like this particular healing. So, Absolutely. So I, you know, when I hear you talking about that, I, I realized, you know, when you were talking about your devotional and how you had all these things prepared, but you didn't move in the moment, but Jesus didn't take it away. And I think on that and say, because there is always purpose in whatever shift he has for you yeah. and Jesus will never, um, you know, remove purpose that whatever purpose he's intended for us to be here, whatever it is he wants us to fulfill, it still has to come to pass. Right. He wants right. for that to manifest in our life. So he's saying, you know, hey. Uh, she or he, whomever it may be, may be taking a little bit longer, but I'm not going to change my purpose for their uh -huh. life. And so um, I'll get them to that place. And sometimes he's going to have to come to us and, um, you know, get us to see that perspective. I, I love when you talk about Jesus coming to him and asking him, I love that he has had many years, right, mm -hmm. to make this decision but it took Jesus coming up and saying, I mean, you want to be healed? Like, where are you really at? What, what you got going on in you? You know? Right. Um, want it, then just, and then he gave him simple instructions. Take up your mat and walk. Like, what's holding you back? Like, I, I can command this of you. Um, you've had an opportunity to get in the pool, but now that I'm here, when power is just, you know, coming and stood here before you, the son of God, right? Yes. Pick it up and walk. And those same Jews, right, they're talking about the Sabbath. Oh, this can't be done. And I thought about how, 
you know, there are so many people who are so stuck on tradition because that's really what that's an example of, right? Right, right. Tradition and rules and um, doing something different than what we've ever seen before. And they're just like, who told you that? Like, who who said you can take up your mat walk? Not, oh my gosh. Like, you, you're walking. <laughs> without having to get in the water. Like, wait a minute, you didn't need the pool. And <laughs> there was no conversation about that. It was, why'd you break tradition? And um, I just think that's so amazing because a lot of times we find ourselves not moving with a shift because of the perspective of other people around us. Mm. But they're not going to understand everything Jesus takes us through. And they're going to still have a focus on tradition when God's trying to move you to miracle. And so I don't want to miss my miracle because I'm stuck in a traditional place, you know, with a traditional mindset. Absolutely. Now think about the the idea that the angel would come down at a certain season. Um, it, it's it's highly likely that the, the, all of the angels' visits were for this for this one man. Mm-hmm. Only reason the angel kept coming back to trouble this water was this this man here, um, and you know he kept. And so what was happening, look at this, because he was out of place, other people kept getting what was supposed to be for him. What? Yes. Lord God, I bless you. <laughs> other people, and he and he saw it. He he had to witness other people getting what was what was his, um, what was something he should have possessed. And I think about if if sometimes, and it's just like in our in our walk, God will we will know the potential. Like he knew that if I got in the water, I would be healed. And so even if he had trouble getting there over 38 years, you would think he would have came up with some strategies to, to figure out how to get there. Cause however right. he got to the pool, how, whatever means, right? Because he had to have, somebody had to get him up to the place where the pool was. And, now, and- if you put a pin right there, though, right? Go ahead. People can only take us so far. Yeah. That's it. And a lot of us uh, are waiting, right, for them to take us all the way. But they they can only take you to a certain point. Whoever got him to that pool every single year, that's as far as they could take him. I mean, because how simple would it have been for them to just sit there? Because they had to know, too, right? Right. Wait for the trouble in this year, and then we'll go ahead and throw you in, you know? But no. Who knows where they went, what they was doing, or if they were even sitting there watching him. But they can, people can only take us to a certain point. Yeah, we we have to want it. We have to want it for ourselves. I can't want your blessing more than you want the blessing for yourself. Right. I, I can't will it for you. You know, and, and sometimes that's what happens. You know, you have parents that love their kids, God fearing parents that desire for their kids to be who they know when they can see that, that God is calling them to be, but the parent can't do it for the child. Um, they can love the child, support, support the child. Um, but like you're saying at some point, and this is for all of us in our walk with God, at some point we have to make a decision that we're going to make a step to like the, the, the shift is not in the water. The shift had to be the, the man, you know, a lot of times we're waiting on the thing, whatever that is, right, um, that, that you believe God has for you. We're waiting on that to shift us. The right. shift comes f- from us. We initiate the shift. Our, our one step starts to put some things in motion. Um, right. 
And, and if we don't make that one step, whatever it is that is on the other side of that step, we won't see it manifested. And, and we'll sit and be bitter that so-and-so has, you know, made all of this progress and this person over there. And, and how come they weigh right? Because they made the shift when it was the season for them to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if we sit and, and, and watch, we'll do just like this man sitting by the pool. And the pool, when I visited, we were in Israel and we went to the pool of Bethesda. I was uh, kind of surrounded by a lot of other pastors and, and bishops from different different states um, that were on this trip. But everybody kind of had the same reaction when we walked into where the pool was. Literally, everybody was like, this pool is huge. This, this not no little pond. This, <laughs> this pool is huge with, with all of these opportunity. We, the Bible tells us they had five porches. So we're not talking about a little pond. We're talking about a, a, a huge area of potential that right. would only require this man to have the, the effort and the push and the drive um, to, to, be, um, to make that next move that would get him his deliverance. But, you know, I think, um, you know, when Jesus comes to speak to, to the man, he says to Jesus, I continue to try and get in. But he, he basically is saying, but I move too slowly and someone always gets in before me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I read that, I, um, it makes me think, but, but how persistent are you about this thing you want? Maybe, you know, you are trying, but how much of an effort are you giving? There are always going to be some people, I think, who, you know, they make a little step. You know, I guess you can think about like kids in school. You know, I passed the class. I got a D. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I mean, if you satisfied with a D, then, yeah, you you can pass. Uh, I don't know what that's going to get you next. And if you're thinking about next, you're always trying to give your best. Right. Right. Uh, And so I I think about how he was like, wow, you, you before Jesus, you told him, well, I tried. But these, you know, everybody keeps getting in before me because everybody else seemingly had a mindset like they were desperate for what right. was happening. Right. You know, I don't want to be blind. I don't want to be paralyzed. You know, mm-hmm. um, if it's going to be and if it's going to be one man who gets in there and get it, that man going to be me. Right. <laughs> like, right. And to know that, well, last year somebody got in before you and a year before that, somebody got in before you and a year before that, somebody got in, before, you know, before you. Seems to me like you said, I'm gonna develop a strategy. Like next year when I come, none of these jokers yeah. are getting for me, <laughs> right? Like whatever it takes. It, whatever said, it takes. Absolutely. Earlier you said by any means necessary. Right. And um it made me think about um, you know, when I went to uh my doctoral program when I was well, actually before I was admitted, you had to go through an interview process. Mm-hmm. And I remember on the committee um, that they asked a question. It was the last question that they asked. Do you know the difference between the people who finish the program and the ones who don't? And it kind of stumped me because I was thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, I think I've done pretty well on this interview. But right. I, don't re- I really don't know the answer to that question. Right. And, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to go through logic and you, know, yeah. you have these, you know, PhD people in the room and. And I'm like, I'm not really sure. And one professor looks at me and he says, it's, it's one word. And I was like, okay, I do not know what it is. Okay. Perseverance. 
He said, there are going to be many people who come in. They're going to go through challenges and obstacles, but it's only the people who will persevere, who will make it to the end. Mm -hmm. And that's what I, when I, when you said by any means necessary, that's what I thought about is like, how persistent was he going to be? How much perseverance did he have to take grab hold, to grab hold of it? Because when it says he picked up his mat and he um, began to walk, look at the shift that occurred in his life. His whole life had to change. Right. You're no longer lame. Like you, you see everything from a different perspective. You are now standing and walking. Oh my God. I'm so wow. excited. Wow. That, that perspective change. And a lot of times that'll, that'll get you a, a long way. If you have a, a, a change in, in your perspective, um, this, this man, the Bible describes him as impotent, Really meaning without effectiveness, there was there was powerless without effectiveness. He was ineffective, but his him being ineffective cannot be attributed to his illness. I think a lot of times we allow, if we are not careful, we can allow a condition we have to become the reason we give for being ineffective. And it, it, it's not a, a valid excuse to say that, oh, man, I, I'm ineffective because, I, you know, this job I have doesn't doesn't pay enough. I just saw, I think it was a little Steve Harvey clip, but he had a, a janitor uh, at a school on um, his show. And this man, would, you know, he said he made, I think, 11.28 an hour. Um, mm-hmm. But he had such a desire and passion to help the kids that that he he started try, just saving saving money and and ultimately gave away like four or five hundred dollars scholarships from money that he really don't have, but he he made the sacrifice. And then his you know his wife also joined, and so here you have these people who don't have much. And and Steve you know was asking him you know well why'd you do it? He said God told me it was just something I had to do. And so he couldn't use the, he didn't use the excuse I I can't give no scholarships to nobody you know I don't I don't make enough money to give money away. He found a way. And I think that that's the perseverance I think we we have to have and not allow our condition to become the, the excuse we give, which is what this man did. Jesus, he's, I, you know, I got nobody to, to do that for me. Jesus, I didn't ask you if you had somebody to do this. What do you want to do? What, you know, what, what is, what is your plan? What is your desire? Not what someone else can do, but, but we, 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 I say we, um, can can use conditions as excuses for our ineffectiveness, and that just continues the cycle. If we come up with a good excuse while we're ineffective, uh, something has to push us to to realize, you know, maybe that's not a real valid reason for me not making it to the pool. Nobody's to put me in there. Um, so that we can strategize uh, something different and, and think of a, another approach because whatever we're doing is not working. Amen. <laughs> you talk about, um, you know, that condition. It, it, you know, when I, w- I was looking at the scripture and I was thinking, why did Jesus say, take up your mat and walk? Mm. I mean, laying on the mat, why you just can't get up and walk? Like, what you need the mat for? And as you were talking and you're talking about the condition, you know, you think about how that mat was symbolic, right, of everything that was supporting your condition of, of being impotent. And, you know, sometimes um, 
we don't recognize that we have to pick those things up and move them out of our vicinity. Right. Those things that have been, you know, crutches for us staying in the same place. Because we do, we, we keep people around. We talk about how many, well, but we work this many hours, we tire, we got too many kids, we got financial difficulties or whatever. And they all become a crutch for us to not move forward. Pick it up and go walk. Like, come on now, stop laying on that. Stop resting on, you know, all of those reasons and excuses that you're giving for not getting in the pool. You see this pool right beside you. This this, is... Oh, but Jamaica, it's right there. Yeah. You see it. It's, so, it's right there. That's so crazy because there are so many, I think, ordained blessings people that's right there. And people excuse themselves from walking in the fullness of God, wow. right? Wow blessings for something that is so close but they're utilizing crutches and excuses and reasons why they can't move jesus did require him to get up himself because he could have lifted him up he could have sent the angels you know what i mean like right. to arms and to get him to stand no uh-uh. you want to come out of this i need you to make some effort pick your mat up mm-hmm, that thing you laying on pick it up, pick it up. now you can walk it's that simple and we try to make things so deep, right? It's just, just obey God. <laughs> that simple. It, something you just said, I just thought about when, you know, as you're talking about Jesus, just telling them, okay, take up your mat. He didn't, Jesus didn't lay hands on him. He didn't splash none of that pool water on him. Uh, he, he didn't roll him over to the pool. He told him, take up your mat and walk. I mean, just 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 that simple. You say, rise, rise, take up, take up that bed and, and walk. Which which says to me that what this man needed to be delivered from what he had, he already had it in him. What? Yes. He he, he already had it in him, and and a lot of times what we're looking for, and I, this message keep coming coming back to me over the past couple of years, and. It's really what God told Abraham when he in Genesis chapter 15, when he asked him, God, you know, you know, how how are you going to do all this? You're telling me you're going to do seeing I go childless. And, and, you know, he came to the conclusion, Abraham, well, it must be going to be a steward of my house. Eleazar, that's that's how you're going to do it. OK, God, because I, I don't have any children. My wife, she older and she's not she's barren. Um, and, and God talks to him and, and says to him, no, it's coming out of your own bowels. In other words, the, the promise that I spoke over your life, I already put it in you before you got here. And so I don't need somebody outside of you to bring what I put in you out. I need you to acknowledge and accept what I'm telling you um, so that what's in you can be can be brought out. And, and a lot of times what what, you know, as we start to maturing God as we continue this walk a lot of things you start to realize wait a minute I I could always do that but you didn't you didn't see it the way God sees it on you um and and it takes that relationship with God in order to begin to recognize who who we are 
um, and who God is calling us to be. And that he's so God that he doesn't need to continue to speak over our lives. He's already done it. He's already done it. It's, it's about us acknowledging what's already been done and then seeking his guidance for the strategies and the wisdom and how to carry out, you know, that thing that he has put in us to do um, so that we, you know, do it according to his will, not relying on someone else to do right. it for us. Right. It's already in us. Already in us. And he's given us what's crazy it wasn't just, I love that you just said it's, all, it's in us, right? It mm -hmm. wasn't just in him. It's in all of us. He's given all of us yes. the power. And some people, you know, it's not, he wasn't just in the priest. It wasn't, you know what I mean? Like, right. so many people are reliant upon, don't get me wrong, because I, I give great, you know, honor unto our spiritual leaders. Absolutely. Given us power, authority, and dominion within us. Greater is he who is in us, right? Mm -hmm. and, allows things to be shifted so he can shake things up within us and get us to be you know to act um because we're we're living in the hour and the age where he needs us to to perform acts right we're we right. just back and receiving things um but as you were talking i was reminded of a word that you preached that has stayed with me i mean jimmy you must have preached this like 20 years ago oh, wow not to make <laughs> don't, don't, don't count. Don't y'all count them numbers. Don't count your fingers to see how old I am. <laughs> I find myself reiterating it so many times, even when I preach, and I and I always give you credit, right? <laughs> but I say, um, you preach a message entitled, you know, it or in the midst of it, it looks like death, but it's really resurrection. <laughs> and people are often looking at things and it because of how it appears. It holds them back, right? Right. Oh, not knowing what to expect. But it's really resurrection. If you know what the, the expectation of Christ is from the beginning, like it don't matter what it looked like. He is bringing forth resurrection power out of this thing that may look horrible. And when he, when he shifts it from death to resurrection, what? Wow. Oh my gosh. That shift right there, I mean, that changed the entire world. Everything that that we have opportunity to access has come because of that shift that he overcame death. And so you're talking, I get so excited about that because <laughs> I try to get people to understand. I was like, do you understand what that means? Like it looks like death. Oh, but we understand what resurrection really means and that that's what it really is. And that's what God like has designed for you, man. You should have so much hope and you should be running and jumping and skipping along. <laughs> exactly it's about getting to um a place where we can see beyond what we see um and that's that's not that's not easy truthfully and you know one of the things that i want on my podcast is to try to give people practical strategies because i believe all of us we hear word you know whether it's at church from our leaders or wherever we're getting this word but i think there's a gap between people hearing the word and knowing how to actually apply that word to their life. You know, people can hear it and they understand it. They, they comprehend what's being said, but how do I take those words from that Bible and, and apply them to me in 2020? Um, so I want to, in this um, last few moments, last few minutes, talk about how, if I'm that person and I'm, I'm listening and I'm like, 
I hear you guys. That's great. Wonderful word. But how do I do that? How do I move myself from being the man or being the woman who's always the one at the pool and watching other people get something that I know I'm supposed to have? Um, what, what practical strategies uh, can you give, Antoinette? Well, first of all, I think that um, you have to be careful about sitting and watching other people mm. be overcomers for too long because mm -hmm. you'll begin to attribute to the fact that it's just them, those persons who are able to do it, right? right. So once you see that somebody has achieved something and you get within yourself that, number one, that means that it's capable, right? It's doable. Right. Um, then you have to begin to look at yourself and you have to begin to, I mean, people, you have to be introspective and honest and you have to begin to say, now, I know that that's doable. What prevents me from doing it? I have to ask myself that. What is keeping me from doing what I know can be done? Let me look at what's happening with me. And um, I think a lot of times um, in the practical sense, why things don't happen with people is because we don't really take time to truly be honest. Because mm. I don't think, you know, and I, I went to school, I did mental health counseling, I've listened to people over the course of years or what have you. And I think that oftentimes people know they just don't really want to verbalize or deal with the hindrances, the ugly, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, scared to. And so you, you have to be willing, first of all, to see yourself and to say, well, the reality of the matter is, if I'm, I'm just going to talk from my perspective, Neek, I'm going to talk to me. Mm -hmm. Neek, the reality of the matter is, you know, good and doggone well, right, that some of these people who, who brought you here weren't going to bring you any further, but you continue to keep coming with the same people. Wow. Yeah, I need wow. to bring free from some of them. And wow. I have to be willing to let them go if I want to get beyond the state that I'm in right now. And sometimes we linger too long with people. And it's not easy to break away from things that are familiar, that are comfortable, but you have to break it. You have to be willing to say no. And I've had to learn in my life too that, and I don't owe you anything. If I choose to make my life better, I don't, I don't owe you an explanation even in rea reality. And I began to walk in enough confidence to say that just because I don't want to be impotent anymore, I'm going to walk away from that, right? So I think being honest with yourself, being able to know that if, if they can do it because God isn't a respecter of persons, he's empowered me, I can do it too. Practical um, tools, something that I've done in my own life um, is I used to uh, go around in the household, I would put things up. I don't do this anymore, but I had to in a season of my life, right? Mm -hmm. I would take scriptures um, that were necessary for my life. And I put them on the mirror, remind myself to pray, ask yourself, to pray today. Have you done this? Do you, you know, things that were necessary for me in order for my growth. And they would just be reminders for myself. Nobody else was in my house and needed to know what was going on with me, Right. but it was helpful for me because I knew I literally would have like, um, I guess you could use post-its today it was paper and I tape it like near the night, mm -hmm. like did you pray yet before you shut that light off? And I'd be like, golly, right? Like, right. You gotta pray. Because for my shift to occur, I had to be in the word. I had to pray. And my flesh, though, would say, I'm sleepy. 
So I had to build guilt trips for myself <laughs> in order to, to be in the pool. And I, I'm just saying, that's, that's what I needed for me. And I think um, that, again, that's a part of being honest with yourself and moving forward um, and knowing that nobody is better. Like that person or persons, those, you know, every year who got in the pool before um, the man at the pool, they weren't any better than him. And so I think it takes, you know, being around people and putting yourself around people who will speak greatness into you and remind you of your capability. Sometimes we're fearful of moving forward because we don't have any cheerleaders in our corner. Right. To have, you know, those people who are willing to say, Mika, you could get in the pool. Go you better get in it, or somebody who's just gonna be, you know, honest. You better get in that pool this year because I ain't bring you back next year. Like you're not, we're not coming back here, and you're not walking. Not, <laughs> just not doing that. We're not coming every year, you know. Um, and and people do the same thing today, right? That's like you going to the conference with your your girlfriend every single year, whatever. And at some point, I gotta say, look, now I ain't going to woman that are loose again. You are loose by now. Like I'm not. I know. I know. <laughs> That's absolutely true. One of the um, something you said made me think of for, as far as a strategy um, with, with your um, notes and reminders. And that is the power of our words. Um, during during very difficult times, that there's a scripture or scriptures or something. I I write them down or I I'm saying them. I literally will, will say things. I have this book of prayers um, that my daddy loved when, when he passed away. It was in his stuff, you know, some of his books and Bibles and things like that. But there are a couple of prayers in there. I, I just say them out loud. And we're going to talk about your prayer CD um, in a moment. But what you say about yourself, your own confession is the most powerful word that's going to be spoken is what are you saying about your life, about yourself, about your situation? A lot of times the, the, the damage that's being done are not words coming from others because you, you can call me what you want to call me, but until I call myself that, I'm not that. I'm, I'm not what you say I am. I'm really what I say I am. Absolutely. And if, if, if I'm not saying the right thing, if what I'm saying about myself does not line up with what God says about me, then there's where the problem comes in. And mm -hmm. I thought about, I've worked with adult students and I've seen over and over the, the most amazing thing that would happen as students got close to the end, preparing for graduation. Um, and there's one occasion uh, in all the years and all the times I've seen this, I've only had one student be mm -hmm. able to acknowledge this. And I had, there was a young lady who literally she was down to her last um, term or last semester of class before graduation. And she just kind of had like outbursts in class that she had never had. We've never had any problems. So as a dean, of course, um, have come have a conversation with me. Mm -hmm. I remember talking to her. I said, what is, you know, what is going on? You're almost done. I've, you've never been in here for something negative, you know, mm -hmm. uh, in my office. And, you know, she said something to me, Angelique, that is, is the problem I think a lot of people have. She said, I, because she was getting her associate's degree. And she said, I don't, 
I don't know what I'm going to do when I finish. I don't, she didn't, she said, she said, I didn't think I would get here. I didn't think I'd make it to the end of this. And now that I am at the end, I'm, I'm scared of, of what's supposed to come after this. Like, what do, what do I do? And people sometimes have a fear of success. Absolutely. They, they, they're, they're, they, you know, they're like, I, what, what if it does go well? They don't know how to accept this idea of, of success. And so a lot of people self-sabotage mm-hmm. and they'll sit on it and just not do it or, or write the book and never publish it. You know, um, things like that, that indicate that you, some people are just afraid of the possibility of success because they have not seen it. Here mm-hmm. you have a man, he's never, he hasn't walked. Mm-hmm. He's 38 years. And so, you know, to the idea of, all of a sudden I'm going to be walking. What does that even look like? Because if I've, if I've been like this, I've been depending on people to help me to to give me alms to, in order to live, what am I going to do? I have to go get a job. I'm going to have to, you know, um, care for myself. Sometimes the the very fear of success can um, freeze us in our, in our spots and not allow us to progress. And so we have to, Remember what the word, God has not given us the spirit of fear. We have to begin to say what the word says and say what God says about us out loud. I'm not talking about to yourself. Some things we got to let our mouths say out loud mm-hmm. so that we, we hear that and those words will begin to see them manifest. Um, we have a speaking God. He spoke everything into existence and, and he made us like him. And so we ought to take on those characteristics that God has and, and speak, speak over our own lives. And I believe that that as well um, is a strategy to move and, and get into this shift. I want to give you an opportunity, Anthony, to share um, some of your, about some of your projects, um, about your books, as well as your latest project, this awesome prayer CD in, entitled Shift, right? Yes. It's entitled Shift. <laughs> and, and I guess in order to talk about it, I have to echo, though, what you just said, because it definitely um, correlates and is in alignment with the Shift Prayer CD. And that's that speaking things um, is so powerful. You know, he, he gives us the ability to speak life out of our mouth. Of course, death as well. But I think that what people miss oftentimes is that we have the power to speak life. And um, with anything great, you know, also comes great responsibility. We have great miracles, great opportunities. You know, when our territory is expanded and becomes more vast, we we have larger responsibility and people are often afraid of the responsibility that comes. But I think that we have to um, have confidence in knowing that God um, it prepares us to be successful at whatever levels we're at, right? And so for the man um, at the Pool of Bethesda, he Um, had he accepted his healing at the first chance, the first approach he had to be at that pool and took in confidence what God was enabling him to do had he gotten in the pool that, by the way, was being troubled. It wasn't still water. And so, um, you know, when negativity and difficulties and when trouble arises in our life, God wants us to combat our negative thinking, right? Right. But we can't be paralyzed in our thinking. And so as much as the man... Uh, was um, in that position, so was his thinking. And so in this shift CD, um, it is, I was very intentional in my obedience to God. Uh, I certainly 
take the credit for it is his will, right? And what he's given me to do. But in the CD, people ask like, well, this is a different prayer CD. Like you actually come talk about things first and, I, and then pray. And so in each um, uh, track, it's a different, um, a different you know, maybe family, education, health, what have you. But what I'm talking about, scripture says, and how I've explained it to people is that I believe that God has given me this way so that people can prepare themselves for the shift that's to occur in prayer by first reading the word. I think that a lot of times what happens is that people go directly um, into prayer and then they believe in and they're emotional in prayer. And then when the prayer ends, they don't really have anything to stand on, right? So they're in that fervency and excitement and, and spiritual high. And then it's like, what? So we're talking word. We're putting the word in the atmosphere. By the time you finish hearing the word, it's like, oh, I know I'm in prayer to what God has said, not just that he's And so um, I'm hoping that the shift, um, you know, places of faith and to believe in what is being spoken. But so I'm excited about that. And I, I hope I've had some, you know, teachers to tell me that they're playing it in their classrooms and some people have addressed awesome. And so I'm really excited. As far as um, I do have some other um, projects <laughs> in the works because I, I'm constantly, and I think this is something else too, Mika. We, we talked about here, this man uh, being in, um, you know, a shift and waiting on one shift, right? For 38 right. years on one shift. But we have to know that there is a continuous movement, continual shifts that are occurring in life. And so I'm in a different place, shifting into um, hopefully another dimension, another level of faith um, with Christ to do new things. And um, I have a, a book entitled, Daddy, Where Are You? And I'm um, looking to go to different cities and do Daddy, Where Are You? panel discussions. Um, this year, I'm going to be working with um, a prophet from my jurisdiction on a singles um, retreat, if you will, not really okay. retreat, seminar, but um, I have a book entitled Single Purpose. And then I have another book entitled Where Is That Faith? They're all on Amazon. Um, and I have some things that'll be coming out, but um, just excited, you know, about all the things that God is going to do. And just like you said earlier, not wanting to miss, not as my grandma would say, and she's passed on. I love her with my whole soul. I don't want to miss now other thing. Okay. <laughs> so. Now, not now, because I, the, the one, the first shift, the one, the one you do first, it, what happens is there's so many more, just like you said, just as we discussed, the, the angel came at seasons to trouble the water at a certain season. And so there was this troubling of the water that would happen. And each time somebody got in that water, their life was shifted. Um, and, and like I said, with this, with this man, after he was healed, he, he became a, a piece of the puzzle, right? That, that, that was a part of the story that we now read and study about in the life of Christ. And so each of us has something that God has called us to do. And you, you never finish. I think that's the, the, the point kind of to what you're saying. There's always something else. God is so much God and we, we could never, we can't outlive him. We can't outthink him. Um, that once you finish one thing, 
you, it's the next one. You're, you're already, you know, he's already, all right, you got that one. Let's go. Let's move. And what God wants is, is a willing person that is saying, God, I'll, wherever you send me, I'll go. Whatever you desire for me to do, I will do. The shift that, that God wants in each of our lives, a lot, it is waiting on us. What are we willing to do in order to be shifted uh, and allow God to have his way? So, Dr. Edwards, I just want to thank you. Thank you, and thank you for uh, being a guest on my podcast. I personally just love the Word of God, and I love talking about the Word of God with other people who love the Word like I do. Um, the Word of God is it's alive, it's living, and it can help us today. It's written thousands of years ago, but it can help us today. So, thank you, Dr. Edwards. No um, for your wisdom would it be okay if i just share one last thought um, absolutely for your listeners i think if there is anything that i i feel like you know hey take this away with you is to understand you know that the shift it, it just means transitioning from one thing to another right right but you would just be brave enough to experience the first shift don't even mm -hmm. worry all the others right just be brave enough courageous enough and faithful enough to move forward no matter how uncomfortable it is in the first shift i feel like i could literally promise the people right mm -hmm. that the next ones become easier your faith will be elevated if you just get through the first one don't worry about the nine thousand things just wherever god is trying to shift you in now move with the now the rest of it'll take care of itself right like just mm -hmm. deal with the now and go in the moment whatever whatever way whatever jesus is trying to do with that individual right now i just want to encourage them to be to be brave enough to say yes to that one that's right thank you for that that is uh, just a, a powerful way to end the reality is that one step just one step a physical step if you take your feet and move it one step and your body shifts with your feet you're already in a different place and that was just one step and so um hope our listeners have been encouraged you have been listening to life-changing moments i'm your host jamika ellison thank you for tuning in until next time Thank you for tuning in to Life-Changing Moments. It is my sincerest prayer that you heard something that will help you grow in God. If you're interested in the devotional book mentioned in this week's episode, you can find it on Amazon, Life-Changing Word, a weekly devotional for growth and transition, author Jamika Ellison. I am Jamika Ellison, your host, and I hope you join us again.